Today, we're going to jump into and finish up this three-week series that we started on running on empty. And uh, we started off giving you illustration in the scripture about what the Bible says, about being tired, about being exhausted, about being weary and well-doing. And I promise you, it doesn't matter who you are, this relates to every single person in this room. Every single person in this room. And so, if you've not yet experience being weary and well-doing. I I can promise you it's coming. It's just part of life. Elijah went through it. Moses, David, he, 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 we went back to Genesis and explained that the Bible says it's cursed. The world is cursed. I mean, you you hate to think of that, but he said thorns and thistles, literally meaning you go out to get your food, you're going to come back with scratches and it's, it's just, it's pain, it's frustrating, it's difficult. You know, those different things that affect our lives. And I said, why is this so important? Because I tell you, when you get exhausted and you get drained, you don't see clearly. And you're too weak to fight. That's why the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. What is the opposite of being strong in the Lord? Being weak. And I tell you, Satan will just come up to you and just push you down and you say, why was that? You're weak. You're not designed to be weak. You're not designed to fight weak. So we talked about refueling. We went through these different things. He said he giveth power to the faint, to them that have no might. He, he increases their strength. The Bible says they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. The Bible says he leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. So how do we refuel? We rest. We restore. We, we take in things that, we, like he said, he makes us lay down. And then he, he feeds us and he gives us the thing we need. But I'm going to hit the third one today that we did not get last week. Um, and so we're going to, we're going to hit this and uh, removing the weights. I promise you this is a huge one. You say, why is this? Well, I, I'll take you back to Hebrews chapter 12. And I have taught on this. You've heard different lessons. But I want to focus in on one aspect of this. So wherefore, seeing we are compassed with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin that so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The first thing that I want you to see in this passage, and I've done a whole series on this before, you were intended to run. And you say, okay, what does that mean? It means do the best at being a parent. Do the best as being a teacher. Do the best at being a uh, official wherever you're at in the world, in the government, in, in society, in your, in, as a CEO or whatever it is. Your, your, your job is to do it with all your might. What is the opposite of running? Well, go ahead and try it. When you, when you get out of breath, you get tired, your feet get sore, your back gets sore, your, your leg starts cramping, you slow down, and all of a sudden you're like, man, I can't do this. And look at God, and, and God says, I didn't intend for you to uh, you know, stumble through life. It wasn't meant to be exhausted through life. He meant for us to be strong. But here he gets into this, thing and he says about the weights there's sin then that's what i've preached on before yeah you get sin in your life or it's it's going to hold you back you're not going to run there's so many illustrations there's so many applications and and that does apply but that's not the point point. and he says and the weights so the illustration was back in the training they did a lot of it the same way that they did us they had somewhat like we have the olympic games and things they would do it for sport they would do it for competition to train, they would put on a weight belt, the same way that we would train and put on a weight belt. I, I, I have one at home, and I used to get on the treadmill, and it just makes the, 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 the training time more intense. You put it around your, and it just weighs you down. 
Paul was telling them, he says, all right, if you're going to run the race, he said, you don't run the race the way that you had that weight on. You better lay aside the weight. I'm telling you guys, every one of us, if we were up here and if we were to have something heavy in our arms and I told you to race somebody to the back, the person without the weight is the one that's going to win. And he said, you've got to learn and recognize what those things are. So what do we do? We identify the weights in our life. I want you guys to get this because I tell you, this is stuff. And I've been a little more transparent in this class because I'll tell you, for me as a pastor, how do you, how do, you do your job all the way as a pastor? You're saying, well, you preach and you teach and you care for people. How do you preach enough, care for enough people? How, do you, how can you walk out at the end of the day and say, oh, I showed God's love enough today, I'm going to go home. How do you do that? How do you know that you've called enough sick people? You've, you've visited enough people. How, when do you max out? And if, if there's 100 people sick in the church and you've helped 25 of them, there's 75 people that are still there saying, well, he didn't help me. And I'll tell you, I, I, I battled with this. And, and I've talked to other pastors. I said, how do you, how do you care enough? How do, how do you get to the point where you say, man, I knocked it out. And then some people come back and say, well, if the church wasn't so big, then you wouldn't have the problem. And man, I've had that thought. And then I think, I don't want to stop reaching people. And then I just realized that it's not about stop reaching people. And it's not about, here's the thing, it's not about me caring for everybody. It's realizing that some things that I try to do, God looks at me and says, where did you get that idea that you have to do all that? I didn't intend for you to do all that. Now I'm going to bring it home to you. Same thing. You weren't intended to do everything. And if you're running as a parent and you're constantly exhausted, then there's probably things you picked up along the way that God's looking out at you going, why, why are you doing that? And, and we're going to look at some practical things about this. Let me show you the biblical explanation of this. 1 Corinthians 6.12 All things are lawful for me, but not, but all things are not expedient. The word expedient means good. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. So here's what he's simply saying of this. He said, there's a lot of things in this world that are not wrong, okay? Uh, th- there are a lot of ministries that we do. There's a lot of trips that we go on. We, we've, I've had this discussion heart-to-heart with a lot of people because I'm taking a group to the Philippines. We're running Vacation Bible School. I think it's important because God's blessed us with a lot of people and gifts and knowledge to run Vacation Bible School. I had a missionary who called me and said, hey, would you take some of that that you do there and bring it over here We could reach hundreds of kids in the Philippines, but my people have never done anything like that. Now, I I, I cast that vision before the church. Let me tell you guys right now, it is a good thing to go on a mission trip. It is a good thing to run Vacation Bible School. It is a good thing to, to, to preach the gospel to kids that have never heard the gospel. But the trip is not for everybody in this room. It's not. And so you've got to realize that there are some things that I can do And there are some things that I cannot do. He's just saying there are things that are just lawful for me. It's not breaking God's law and they're good things. But not everything is good for me to do. That's a hard thing to get understanding. Because I tell you, some people, we could could announce anything. I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And then all of a sudden the kids are saying, I never see mommy and daddy anymore. You know, I'm, I'm never home anymore. Uh, you know, we're, we're involved in sports and I am the home run mother and I am the snack giver and I am the r- runner for my neighbor's kids and I help in every way. And after a while, 
You don't do anything well because you're doing everything. Is that right? So here's different things. There's busyness and overcommitment that sometimes it's just not healthy for us to have. We, we, we run ourselves to get death with everything. There, there's a danger. Let me tell any parent, and I'll tell you, I will keep preaching this message. There's a danger when parents don't see their kids. You are a parent above everything else. And I don't want anybody getting the idea that I'm, and you say, well, I'm a mom and a dad that works and things. I know that there is the things in life. We're, we're not talking about the necessities of life. We're not talking about, you know, give up church, don't do, our, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that. But I, what I find is when I talk to a lot of parents, there's a lot of extras in our life that hold us back from doing the necessities that we should be doing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say some things that are controversial and I'm just going to say it anyways. It is more important that your kids have a mom and dad than they are the MVP of their basketball, football, or any other sport that they play. Amen. It's more important that kids have an education in God's house, with God's people, doing God's thing, than it is that they're involved in two and three things on the side that overlap. And people come back and say, well, he just doesn't understand. No, I just realized that we're losing kids like crazy. And the thing is, we're teaching them. That, that there's certain things that the world calls important. I'd rather my kids be indoctrinated in the word of God and the things of God and a passion for God than for their shelves to be filled with sports, trophies and things like that. And, and don't get me wrong, my kids play sports. I want them to, but I tell them, here's the line. If, if it comes in the way of these things, these are our priorities and they're not. Let me tell you guys, it's the same thing with you. It's the same thing. There are activities and events and running and commitments that we can get into. And some things God says, that's not a wrong thing, but it's not the best thing. We've got to understand these things. I, I believe that there is the priorities that God has given us. And Pastor Chris, a while back, you know, he, he gave it to it. He says, seek ye first the, the kingdom of God. The, the Bible says, man, this is first. And God talks about parenting, God talks about church, God talks about those things. And then he said, and all these things shall be added unto you. So you say, what is the priorities of my life? And God said, you know, Pastor Chris pointed it out, I love how he put it. He just said, well, there's one thing that's first. You don't, you don't have to debate, you put one thing first, and everything else just will line up after that. Because when you put God first, he gives us the wisdom to know what comes second. And it just works out that way. Busyness and overcommitted lives. Number two, financial weights. We must learn to live within our means. Do you want to know a stress that when you get around people that they're always like, oh man, man they're, they're just always stressed, they're always irritated, they're always whatever. You find out that through life they, they, they just took on this bill and they took on this credit card and they went on this vacation and they went on this. And man, after a while it weighs on you. It weighs on you when you go to work and they're, they're offering you extra hours and you think, man, I should be home early tonight, but I really need the money. And, and, and you say, well, life is hard. Yes, life is hard. I, I remember being on vacation one time. Morgan got a, uh, something wrong with her eye. And so we called in and they said, no problem. We've got eye drops. We went down there, went through the CVS drive through and they said, that will be $88. And we said, oh, no, 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 we have insurance. And they were like, no, that's with your insurance, $88. And I'm not kidding. The bottle came out and it was, it was this big. And, I, and I'm not just saying it was this big. It was like an eighth of an ounce or something like that. It was like one drop and 88 bucks. 
I mean, if you missed your eye, I mean, it would just, it would be detrimental. It just, I'd be, you know, soaking it back up with a tissue and, you know, wringing it out of our eyes. Like, this stuff is expensive. I mean, that's, guys, I mean, that's life. I'm not saying that you're not going to deal with life. I'm talking about our generation, this world that we live in. Man, you just walk through Walmart and some guy comes up and says, do you have cable TV? How fast is your internet? How fast is your cell phone? How, you know, do you have this on your house? Do you need this extra feature on your security? You get on your phone. There's advertisements coming up all the time. You can get this or that or download this app. It's just cha-ching everywhere you look. And we've gotten in our minds that I can't live without some of these things. The truth of the matter is we're finding out we can't live with those things. They're weighing us down to the point where we're just exhausted. And we run and run and run and at the end of it and say, well, I want my kids. And I've told you guys this before. People have said to me, well, I want my kids to have some of the things that I didn't have. Well, don't don't take away what they need most, which is you. Because of that. I had somebody that said a while back, this was like 10 years ago, we, we were talking. He said, man, I wanted my kids to go on this ultimate Disney vacation. So they did the Disney Resort, and they did the Disney restaurants and all this. They borrowed $6,000. Five years later, they were still paying on that Disney trip. I tell you, the initial part of it is great, but it is exhausting down the road. And I know I'm preaching. I don't want anybody to sit there going, man, he just doesn't know. He just doesn't. Trust me. I'm in the same world you are. I, I know what it's like to have no money and, and the tires go bald. And the guy comes out and says, well, if you don't, if you don't get them, your family's going to end up in the ditch. And, you know, I'm thinking, yeah, I, I've been there. I know, what, I, I know what that's like. But I also know that it will wear you out. And then there's past mistakes. I, I think Paul that wrote a lot of the things that we've been studying understood this. It's a weight in your life that you should not be carrying. He said, brethren, I count not myself to apprehend it, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are before. Some of you right now have probably messed up big in your past. Big. I, I mean, literally, divorce, affairs, abortions, I mean, losing jobs, horrible reputation, all these different things. Man, it's just out there. You know what we do? We walk through life like this. That's exhausting. Do you realize when, when the Bible says about placing things under the blood of Jesus Christ, that he does not see them, he forgives them, the, the whole what can wash away my sins, nothing but the blood of Jesus, how dare we sing it on the screen and we sing it in our churches and we don't live it Monday through Sunday. The truth of the matter is if you have messed up in your past and you have repented and made it right and sought God for it, it is forgiven and you've got to stop carrying the weight that Jesus hung on the cross. He nailed it to the cross. He covered it with his blood. You are set free. You are forgiven. You cannot dwell on it. It will simply fully exhaust you. Every time you try to do something, every time you try to teach something, every time you try to stand up the witness, Satan whispers in your ear, who are you with everything that you have done? So I want to look at, for the last 15 minutes of our class, staying on track. Because... The thing that we did the first week, what drains us? And we looked at all those things. The next thing, what fills us? Because when you get drained, you've got to pull in the, the filling station and just fill it up. But then what I've also learned, if you were to use the illustration of a car, 
There are some things that you just do all the time, not because things are falling apart, but just to keep things on track. You change your oil on a regular basis. I hope you do. You check your oil on a regular basis. You put in transmission fluid. You put in power steering fluid, those types of things. You put on new brakes. You do those things. Why? Because you want to keep things on track. In 2006, the Federal Aviation Administration grounded all of the DC-10 planes because one of the engines fell off of one of them in flight, killing 213 passengers. When they did the research, they found out that the general maintenance of that motor had not been done. It could have been prevented. 213 lives could have been saved from that DC-10 if, if people would have just done their job of taking care of it. And I'm, I'm telling you, a lot of Christians that get out of church, every Sunday I look across the, the audience and I where is so-and-so? Why haven't they been here? You call them up, oh, we just, they ran out of steam, they got burnt out. So a car will run better if you do this. Your life will run better. Let me warn you why this is important. When you get weak, temptations come into your life. Jesus was in the wilderness, and we find Jesus being tempted of the devil. Let let me remind you, when did Satan come up to tempt uh, Jesus in in the wilderness? At the end of the 40 days of fasting. Why didn't he go to him when he first walked in there? Why didn't he just walk in there? Hey, Jesus, why didn't you turn these... The, the, these stones in the bread. No, he waited. He's just following them around. And then he waited to the 40th day. What, of course, Jesus in his humanity was hungry just like anybody else. And then he tempted him. You know why it's important that you daily do certain things in your life? Because Satan will daily follow you to take you down. So we find in the Bible to run and not be weary, to walk and not faint. So how do you do this? Well, there's hope. Because the Bible says that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up as wings of eagles. They shall run, listen to this, run and not faint. They shall walk and not be weary. And I reverse those, but you know what I mean. We all want that. So here's some key things. Number one, rest. Not, not just, this is what we do. We go, 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 and then we fall out. But I, 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 what I've realized is God has made rest as part of our society. It, you know how cool it is, and I was talking to the class on the Bible doctrines that we're teaching through, and we're doing the Bible doctrine of God. How do we know that God exists? One of the things that we pointed out, and people say, well, the world just came from a big bang. And, and I said, well, okay, even if you believe that, even after the big bang, and tr- trust me, I'm totally against the big bang. There was, there was God said it and it happened. If you don't understand that, Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 will fill in all the blanks for you. God created the heavens and the earth. But after God created the heavens and the earth, what you find is the fact that everything had an order to it. It didn't just randomly just appear and just happen. It has an order to it. The seasons have an order to it. Life has an order to it. 365 days and we reboot. 24, days in, or 24 hours in a day and we reboot. Seven days in a week and we reboot. The sun comes up and the sun goes down. And Jesus even said, I must do the work while it is day, because the night cometh when no man can work. What was he saying about that? Well, he was talking spiritually. Yes, there's coming a day when the, the sun's going to go down, spiritually speaking, God takes us home and it's too late to do anything. But even then, that, that, that idea is God created us to stop. God created us to cease from working. He says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you... Rest. That's what he said. He said, come unto me, 
All you that are working hard, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The word labor in this passage means to be fatigued or to be weary. Jesus says, come unto me and let me show you something. I can show you a life that is not always being tired. Now, trust me, if you have a good day, you're going to go to bed tired. But if you have a good day, you go to bed tired, more likely you're going to wake up rested. Because you've, you've worn yourself out. I, I love to see my kids tired. Do you guys love to see your kids tired? You know what I'm saying? They, they, they lay, you know, you have one of those lazy days and they just lay around the house all day. They don't do anything and they're just, and then all of a sudden it's time for bed. It was like, we're not tired, you know. I'm thinking, yeah, I know what I'm going to do tomorrow. Let's go cut the grass and we're going to mend the fence and we're, you know, we're going to move that gravel out of the, the sidewalk like I've been wanting to do and we're going to clean out the basement. We're going to do all those things and then they're falling asleep on the couch. That is victory right there, guys. That is victory. I love it. God designed our bodies to rest, not only for our bodies, but for our minds. For our minds. I, I, I get to the point where I will study. I came in Friday and I worked on a project all day in my office, just zoned in and, and doing it. And I, I came home and my brain was just out of commission. You know, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't process, I couldn't think anymore. I just, you know, and I think that God created us that. One thing, I'm, I don't have a... I'm not brilliant or any, and I know that's shocking for some of you, but I'm not. But I tell you, every single one of us, I tell you, you can only handle so many problems at work. You can only do so many things. What I've learned from this to rest, not only my body of going to bed or taking naps or taking a weekend off and those kind of things. This is what I found out. I love doing date nights. I love stopping and just, I, I, a lot of times on Thursday night, it's Jen, Jen and I's date night. We, we go and we do something. We go out to eat. We, you know, we, we just enjoy one another and talk about life and enjoying our, our relationship because I need to rest. I, I enjoy family nights. I, I enjoy church retreats. I enjoy going to the Ark Encounter, just being in a van and fellowshipping with other Christians and, and enjoying one another. Here's number two. This is the way that we maintain our lives, not only regular rest, but we meditate on the right things. Let me show you different things that the Bible says that we're to do. This book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do all according to that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy ways prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Did you realize that the good success is not only doing all that is written therein, which is resting, but it is also in that passage talking about meditating. It is amazing how what you fill your mind in, it's the same thing as if you sit in front of the TV or you're reading news all the time. They're not sitting there and saying, hey, tonight we want to report about a bunch of puppies that were saved. Uh, they're just not going to do it. They're not going to tell you, hey, at this church down here, they had five people saved and come to know Christ. They're going to tell you about ISIS. They're going to tell you about the economy. They're going to tell you what they don't like about our president or our, our leadership. They're going to tell you what's going on overseas. They're going to tell you. And by the end of the night, you're just like, man, what's going on? Our, our nation's falling apart. Our money's falling apart. Our lives are falling. And what I've realized is what God said is to meditate, to think upon, to fill your brain up with the things that are good. He said, think on these things. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, you're not going to find that on the news. 
CNN does not want to report that whatsoever is uh, of a good report. He said, if there's going to be any virtue or there's going to be any praise, you've got to think on these things. So I'm going to ask you guys, what, what do you fill your brains with? Through the week, I, I don't like talk radio. I don't. I don't, I don't like... And I'm not saying that it's wrong or evil or whatever, but I tell you, sometimes they just, you know, about every problem and everything and what could happen and, and whether it's sports or anything else. Here's what we're to think about. We think about the things of God. You read the Bible, it refocuses your mind, reminds us of who he is. It feeds us. When he says he, he brings us beside the still waters, that's what it is. And I'm not talking about Sunday. I'm talking about regular maintenance. This is what we do. In your car, what are you thinking about? The things of God. I I love listening to Christian music. I love to hear about praising God. I I love to be able to drive down the road and listen to either sermons that I have got on CD or MP3. I I love listening to uh, the Bible that I've got recorded. And all of a sudden, it changes your entire mindset. Because you're feeding it and you're thinking on the right things. But also the blessings of God. Nehemiah 8.10 says, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Have you ever thought about that? The Bible says, and I'm not just making this up or it's not just a placard we hang on the wall. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So when I find joy in the things of the Lord, I walk away strengthened. That, that's, that's what that verse is saying. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So when I'm sitting there and I'm praising God in church and I had a horrible week or a horrible day and I am praising him for the name of God and the blood of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins and the victory we have and the hope of heaven, that joy that I have in Jesus Christ is going to give me strength to face the rest of the week. It just refocuses everything. Man, I've had a bad week complaining about things, upset, this and that, and all of a sudden... Somebody come in and say, I've got to just tell you what God is doing. I've got to tell you this and that. I, I, I had a couple of those things even happen this morning. And all of a sudden, I'm not thinking about the negative. I'm thinking, man, this is awesome. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the drama. I walk in here. Every time I see this set and everything, I just smile. I just, I, I just can't wait. I read the script and I'm like, man, I can't wait to get this message across about how God mends broken lives. The blessings of God. Can I tell you, my family is a blessing from God. I hope you see that when you're driving home, you think about what God is giving you. Don't think about the work that you have. Think about what you're going home to. My church is a blessing from God. You guys are a blessing from God. Think on these things. Let me give you number three and we'll have to finish up. Learn to say no. We talked about lay aside the weights. Well, you you know how the best way to not have to lay aside the weights is sit there and say, hey, I'll tell you what, I don't think that this is a good time for me. I don't think that's the best. And I always get nervous when I teach on things like this because then it's everybody just throws out the no card, you know, of I'm not doing anything, you know, just Pastor Tony preached on saying no. Do you understand that there are certain things that we should say yes to? And there's certain things that we should say no to. But when we get those things out of whack and all of a sudden you're saying yes to all the things of the world and no to the things of God, you've gotten your life way out of whack. That's not what we're talking about. But I can tell you guys, it is hard to say no. It's hard to say no. uh, A lot of you guys know I take Fridays off. 
And uh, it's, it's a challenge to take Fridays off. I mean, there's, there's certain things that I don't take Fridays off. If I've got a wedding or a funeral or if I've got, you know, a church event or a missions banquet or a missions trip and all those kind of things. I mean, it just, but I, I realize that if I can take the day off, I'm going to take the day off with no apologies. I need it. And I tell you, I'm a better pastor if I do it. I'm a better father if I do it. But I've got to learn to say no in order to protect those things. And I've had people come, hey, would you like to do this? It's just one time. And I said, if I do everything just one time, you know, if I did everything in our church or every event or every party or every outing just one time, I would, I would never have any time off. We, we've got to understand that that is true with every single one of us. Every single one of us. I, the Bible says that there should be no schisms in the body, but members should have the same care one for another. Do you know how much that verse ministered to my heart? Because then I open up and I'm saying, how, how do I get to the place of realizing that I'm not failing all the time or I'm not a bad pastor because I didn't make every sick person or every absentee or every all this. And, and, and I start reading in the Bible and God comes back and says, wait a minute, the church is the same to have the care one for another. And, I, and I've got to know my role as a pastor is to feed the sheep, doing what I'm doing right now, in the lead the sheep of casting vision, know where we're going, planning out the events, having Easter dramas, preaching the word of God, setting up the trips for us to go on for missions and things like that. But what I have to realize is what is the God-given role that I've been given? And let me ask you, do you know the God-given role that you've been given? And you've got to do that to the best of your ability because your kids only have one mom and one dad. And that, that class that God gave you, you've got to realize that if you overcommit yourself, you can't be the best teacher, the best Sunday school teacher and things like that. So you've got to realize if I do that, it's going to pull me away from doing what God has called me to do. It goes back to the all things are lawful for me, but not all things are good or expedient for me to do. And let me give you the last one and we'll be done. Daily rely on the power of God. When he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me from I am meek and lowly, you shall find rest for your souls. For your, this is what God was taking. He's telling us, he said, everything that you face, I'll come alongside of you and I'll do it with you. Everything that you face, whether it's doing lines on the stage during the drama or the problems that you're going to face Monday morning when you get to work. You, you, you rest in the Lord. You walk in the Spirit. You, you, you walk praying and asking God, lead me, guide me, help me, teach me. Help me to know what to do. The Bible says, cast your care upon Him, for He cares for you. You know what? The, the, the care is the weights. What, what, do you, what do you care about? What, what is you weighing you down? What are you burdened about? God says, well, let me carry that. And I, and I know I've illustrated this before. It's not like, and a lot of times people say, well, I'm going to lay it at the altar and leave it alone. Can I tell you guys, that is not true. Just, just try that in your life. Next week, bring your mortgage bill, lay it on the de- altar, and go back and just say, I gave it to Jesus, you know. Uh, the, the cleaner's going to come in here, and it's probably going to end up in the trash, and you're probably going to get in a lot of trouble, okay? And a lot of times, people misinterpret Scripture like that, and, you know, and do things like that. That's not what God is saying. He said, take my yoke upon me, literally meaning I come alongside of you. We don't, we don't leave it in the dust. We don't leave it behind it, but we, he does carry it with us. He goes with you to work. He gives you wisdom to know what to do. He'll open doors of opportunities for you to work overtime or work less or whatever it is. That's what God does. He knows what we need. He knows how to give it. And, and I love the favorite, my favorite part of this. Why is it? Because he cares for you. 
God cares about us being weary. God cares about that mom and dad that is just simply worn out and frustrated and ready to quit and ready to... Because I tell you, ministries need to not only go forward, they need to be strong. And, and when we do this drum, I don't want people dragging in just because, here we go again. Man, this is a great thing. Because we're lifting up Jesus Christ and God is honored by that. But we've got to tap into the things that God says, this is how you find rest for your souls. I don't want us to run on empty. I don't want us to be weary and well-doing. I want us to be strong in the power of his might. And God has promised us and showed us how that is possible if we do it.